launch an attack against uh, God's people. One, one of the times that, um, that the Lord spoke to me, and I, uh, I was surprised when he said this to me, but after 9-11, when those jets flew into the, uh, into the uh, World Trade Center in uh, New York City, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. It was funny because what he said to me seemed very obvious. He said, he said uh, a spirit of fear is trying to attack this nation. And I was like, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, you know, I know God's not stupid. <laughs> but I was like, Lord, you're pointing out the obvious here. I mean, terrorists, they're trying to, they're trying to freak us out. Yes. But then, then, he, then he made it more clear to me. He said, a spirit of fear isn't trying to get a hold of someone it already has a hold of. And so the, those that are lost and who are bound with sin are, are servants to and susceptible to a spirit of fear. They have no choice. So for a spirit of fear to, I mean, listen, y'all aren't, y'all aren't going after stuff that you already got. You go after stuff that you're trying to get, that you don't, that you don't yet have. And, and Satan is the same way. He'll be going, trying to go after stuff that uh, he doesn't already possess. And uh, unfortunately, he's an enemy of God, and because you're uh, God's children, uh, you have, uh, by default, gained an enemy. But the Lord spoke to me. He said, he said this attack against the World Trade Center, the world sees it as just a, a terrorist attack. He said, but, but Satan has, has, uh, ha is behind this for the specific purpose of attacking the people of faith. Attempting to uh, get God's people over into the realm of fear and attacking the people. So that attack was attack against the people of faith. Uh, in a very similar way, the enemy has tried to attack the world and Christians worldwide with this, with this uh, thing, uh, uh, COVID. And this, this uh, sickness is uh, straight from the pit of hell. Amen. Amen. This virus is straight from the pit of hell. I know somebody said, well, it was created in a, in, a, uh, in, a, in a laboratory, so I don't care where it came from. Uh, the, the root source of all sickness and all infirmity is, is uh, Satan. Amen. And sin. So uh, we, you know, we, we know that as we press into God, of course, the enemy, he'll try to come in like a flood, but God desires to lift up a standard against him. And we're that standard. Amen. Uh, uh, the church filled with God's spirit, filled with the word of God, we're the standard that the Lord is lifting up against the enemy. And so I'm, I'm glad that we're here today. There's some of you that are battling with sickness and infirmity in your body. Some of you, it's, you know, just because there's sin in the world. Others, uh, the enemy has specifically launched an attack against you physically and we're going to break that today in the name of Jesus. Amen. In these meetings, we've been talking about aligning the natural for the supernatural. And uh, 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 aligning, and, and, uh, aligning our natural world to facilitate, aligning our kingdom, uh, our personal kingdom to facilitate what God wants to do uh, in, the, in the way of the supernatural. But before we do... Uh, we're going to receive an offering here in a minute. Before we, before we receive the offering, I want you to open your Bible with me to the book of Luke. Uh, Ethan and I had a conversation. I think it was last night. I, I don't remember. All the days start to run together for me after a while. 
But I think we were talking in, either last night or the night before last. I, maybe it was the night before last. Luke chapter 6. And, uh, yeah, amen, that's the one. Praise God. Luke 6, and we're going to, let's let's start, let's start reading, um, ooh, it's all so good. Let's start reading in verse um, 36, I don't even, usually I have it marked, but um, anyhow, I'll mark it now. And hopefully the Bible app won't ask me if I love it today. You know, the Bible app is the most insecure app I've ever had. Uh, it always wants affirmation. Do you like me? Do you love the Bible app? <laughs> I, had the, I had the privilege of meeting the man that created the Bible app across from the... Uh, uh, he hangers his airplane across from where I keep our airplane. And... Uh, uh, he just came over one day and struck up a conversation, and it was cool. When I found out he owned the, uh, that he had created the Bible app, I said, "I said I'm I'm one of the ones that say I don't like the Bible app." I said, and "It's not because I don't." I said, "I just want to quit bothering me." So, I said, "So no offense." <laughs> he didn't care anyway. I don't, I don't think he looks at that. Don, you reckon he's gotten away from being the one who looks at reviews? Anyhow, Luke chapter six. And these will be familiar passages of Scripture for you. It says, Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also uh, is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Given, it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. How many of you are familiar with this verse of Scripture? Many times when we're receiving offerings in the church, uh, we'll use, especially uh, verse 38, uh, given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured unto you again. Now, uh, what I want to point out about these verses is this. You know, I was, I was in a meeting um, in, uh, oh, down the, down the road where I met Cherie, um, a Newcastle. Uh, we were in Newcastle, Oklahoma. We were in an extended revival meeting there, and I broke out Luke 6, 38. Well, someone had brought a good Baptist brother to the revival, and he was sitting, was it you that brought him? You, huh? Yes, it was one of your students, and uh, brought him to the meeting, and the minute he heard me start at given, it shall be given unto you, boy, he shut, he shut down like a clam, because he's like, well, bless God, now I know that this guy doesn't know anything about the Bible or about the Word of God, because that... He's about, to, he's about to talk about how the people should give their money, and that scripture is not about money. And um, he said it's about, it's about mercy. And so he began, I think he began to tell Hilda, who was his teacher at the time, she's a, she was a Spanish teacher in public school uh, for a period of time, and uh, he began to tell her he doesn't know what he's talking about, he doesn't, and he, he went on and on and on and on. And um, you, you have to be careful that you don't think people know what they're talking about based on just hearing a, a moment. Of the, first of all, you have to be an idiot to think that you know what someone knows or what someone believes in three seconds. For you to make a judgment about a preacher, having listened to him for two hours, 
and make a judgment as to whether they're jacked up in their life. That's stupid too. But people do it all the time. People do it all the time. And, and it's because, you know, we only have a certain amount of time to, to try to get a point across to you. And the way that we do that is in the most efficient way possible. So we're not telling you everything that we know every time we get up. I mean, I know that's hard for you to believe, but we're not telling you everything we know every time we get up. We're telling you as much as we think you need to hear to help you to get uh, to the next place in your life. Amen. And so uh, we, we, as ministers of the gospel, we assume a lot. And, and I know we assume too much. We assume you read the Bible outside of church. We, ass we assume that you spend time reading the Word of God. We assume that you know that uh, you ought to be open and willing, and willing to learn. We assume that you've read the scripture that says that you ought to esteem, that you ought to esteem one another as higher than yourself. We assume that you read the scripture that says that we ought to submit ourselves one to another. Amen. Praise God. We assume that you pray <laughs> outside of church, that you, that you maintain a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. And I thank God. Who Was it Apostle Smith that talked about prayer and the importance of prayer? It was, wasn't it? Do you know prayer is the lost art in the church today? Most people, most people in the body of Christ don't spend any time in prayer. Most preachers, when they were, when they were surveyed, spend less than five minutes a week in prayer. I reckon they're barely praying for their food. But that's, I mean, that's what they say. So anyhow, so there are a lot of assumptions that are made by us. And I'm, I'm just, I'm, you're saying, I know some of you are like, I feel like you're setting me up. I am. I'm, I'm setting you up to, uh, uh, to, to get set free. Amen. So I'm, I'm aware of that. And I just want to let you know that I'm aware that this scripture is not talking about money. But this scripture is a principle. It's a principle of the word of God. So let's read it. It says, uh, be ye therefore merciful as your father also uh, is, is um, your father is also merciful. Judge not, you shall not be judged. Condemn not, you, you shall not be condemned. Forgiven, you shall be forgiven. In other words, you're going to reap what you sow. The world calls it karma. But it's, but it's not karma. There's a principle in the Bible. Whatever, whatever if you give ugly, you're going to get ugly. You know, some of you don't have friends. You're like, I don't know why I don't have friends. You know what the Bible says? Be friendly and you'll have friends. Imagine that. Imagine that. Uh, quit, amen. Quit being so plugged up that people don't want to hang out with you. You know what I'm saying? Uh, smile every now and then. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you want friends, be friendly. If you want people to be nice, be nice to them. Amen. Praise the Lord. So it's a principle. Whatever you give, and that's what the scripture says, whatever you give, it's going to be given back to you. So this is in any area of life, including the area of finances. So when we give, so as much as this guy was right, yes, this is about something else. Because the, the, the fact that, I guess, the prosperity message, or when preachers use this to talk about prosperity... Because that, that part of it offended him. He wanted to exclude that. Well, guess what? You jacked it up. You jacked Because you wanted to exclude something that was, that was inclusive to everything. Do you know even the world understands that, that in, order to, 
in order to attract money, you have to be willing to give some away. You, you can go and you can pay to sit through a financial seminar that someone who is not a Christian will give, and at some point in time, they will tell you, if you want, if you want money uh, to, to be attracted to you, then you've got to take, and you've got to take so much of your money, however much it is, and you've got to give it away to charity. They, they don't understand why it works, but it does work. Well, we know why it works. Because when you give, it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Amen. Now, I was in Springfield, Ohio preaching, and I preached this message. And, and uh, the, pastor's, uh, the pastor's son-in-law took offense to the message of prosperity. And so he uh, quit coming to the meetings. And um, so we were, we were there for seven months. And that, that was early on. It was probably in the second or third week of the revival. He quit coming because uh, people got a hold of the message. Now, when people get a hold of the message of prosperity, you know, when, you, when you've not learned something, when you've not grown in a, a revelation or in a doctrine, then you're in an immature state. And you, you've got to grow in it. You've got to grow. We had to grow in the, in the message uh, and in the experience of salvation. We had to grow in the message and in the ministry of the Holy Ghost. Every, everything we experience in life, when you, when you got a job, if you, if you went to Tinker, I, I guarantee you, if you've been at Tinker 20 years, uh, you didn't start off doing the same job that you're doing now. They didn't put you there first. You developed, you grew into that place. There was a time of learning. There was a time of having to gain an understanding. There was a time of growth. There was a time of maturing. And see, when we, when we come to church, there are things that we find offensive. There are things that we, that we, uh, that we don't like because we think it, it contradicts Scripture. And one of the things that we don't like, that some people don't like, that we feel like contradicts Scripture, is when people come to church and they give and they expect to get something back. When people give with the expectation that if they give, God's going to make them rich. And that's offensive to people. People don't like that. People don't like for people to expect that God's going to bless them supernaturally with finances. That's what, this, that's what the, 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 uh, the son-in-law of this pastor, he, that's what he had a problem with. And he quit coming to the meetings because of that. It didn't, matter what I, it didn't matter what I had to say about healing. It didn't matter how many people were getting saved. It didn't matter that Catholics, Methodists, Presbyterians, Lutherans, that, that uh, Mennonites, that, that, that people that were not of Pentecostal, spirit-filled affiliate. It didn't matter that those people were flooding into these services and getting filled with the Holy Ghost. That drunks were getting delivered. That drug addicts were getting set free. It didn't matter that the Springfield newspaper came and, and put us on the front page. And they didn't write a negative article about us. But, they, but, the, but the headline read, Springfield, City of God. And the article read, not since the days of uh, Billy Sunday has Springfield seen a move of God. Not since 1906 has there been a move of God in the city of Springfield like we're seeing right now. I mean, it was incredible. Uh, the, the news people laid out on the floor under the... Tyler was there holding the bucket of oil as I put my... This is going to sound crazy. As I put my hands in the oil and I'm, I'm laying hands on people. Tyler's got this bucket 
And I remember they were taking pictures and they were interviewing people uh, from the paper. And then uh, we went to looking for the reporters. We couldn't find them. And then we saw the cameraman laying in the corner under the power of God. We looked for the reporter and there she was. All of her papers were laying there in the oil. Out under the power of God. You know, they even broadcast, they even broadcast some of our services on television after that. Are y'all hearing me today? But you know what? This guy got plugged up over the, over the message of prosperity, and all because people came and they started giving and expecting that God was going to bless them. Now, I'm not sure what was so offensive about that, but I mean, I, I think that if you had need or if you struggled in life, that would be good news. Good news. God will bless you. But see, he said, he said this. A, a, a fella came all the way from Brazil to come to the revival. And uh, we were halfway through the revival, and he came from Brazil to come to the meeting. And when he came to the meeting, the pastor's son-in-law knew him and came to see him after church one night. And this guy from Brazil, I mean, he's a big burly guy, bold in the Lord, wins people to Christ, been stabbed in the booty by little kids trying to steal his wallet as he's out witnessing in the streets of Rio de Janeiro, because that's how they do. They'll stab you in the butt and take your wallet. But, but he, uh, <laughs> I mean, he's a big guy. He's Brom, and and so Brom Brom looks looks at him and he says, "Hey man, why haven't you been in the meetings?" And he goes, "Oh, you know, I've been busy." He says, "He says that's not what you that's not what Pastor Jim tells me. That's his father-in-law. Pastor Jim tells me you're not coming because you're mad at Zig, and we're both sitting there." And he goes, well, you know, I'm not, really, I'm not really mad at him. He says, I just don't, you know, I've got things to do. And Brom says, you're a liar. You know, the Bible says if you have ought against someone, that you're supposed to go to that person. He says, you know, I think Zig has a right to know why you're not coming to his meetings. <laughs> Amen. And, I, you know, I, and I look, so I looked at him. I said, you know, now that I think about it, you haven't been in the meetings. I said, why, are, why aren't you coming? And I didn't notice because it, we, we were having trouble finding chairs for people anyhow. But he, then he told me, he said, well, I don't like that message of prosperity. And I said, really? I said, um, I said how, how many meetings did you come to? He says, well, I only had to come to three or four. I said, so you, got, you, you learned everything that I know and everything that I teach on the message of prosperity, you learned it in three days? I said, because it's taken me my whole life, and I still don't get it. But you got it in three days? Wow. I've seen some people get it in three minutes. I mean, they get it so much, they get up and walk right out. Anyhow. And he said, well, this is why. He said, I don't, he says, I don't believe that what you're talking about is prosperity. He says, how, can, how, how is prosperity you receiving charity? He said, when people give you money, he says, isn't that charity when people give you money? He says, so, so what people are saying is, give me money, let me be your charity. And so people are giving you charity, and that's prosperity? He says, that don't even make sense to me. I said, it doesn't make sense to you because you don't know you, you didn't stick around to find out what the Bible said. Right, right. 
He said, well, I've been watching people around here, and I've been watching them give this away and give that away, and then run around when someone gives them money, and, and he says, it's disgusting. They're getting happy over money. I said, so they should they be sad? Are you all here today? I mean, I think, I think I'm seeing people. So, so he, 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 I'm like, so what's, what should our response be? I mean, if we, if we gave 50 bucks and someone gives us 500, what, what are you supposed to do? I mean, if we, I think, you know, I mean, I, I, I would rejoice. I mean, I bet if someone handed you half a million dollars, you're not going to be like, oh. Be that way. So anyway, so he says, well, I, I don't believe that that's what, that's how this is supposed to be done. I said, well, you know, I, I, I agree with you. And he said, what? I said, I agree with you. I agree that it's not all about getting something. I totally agree. You know why I agree? You know why, you know why I believe that? Because the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. I said, but how can you ever get to the place that you, you can give when you don't have nothing to give? How are you ever going to get to that place? I said, see, when you, when you, when you first start, I said, and I told him this, I, I think I told Ethan this, you know, the most manipulative people on the planet are children. Children are the most manipulative, swindling, they are, aren't they? I mean, they will, they will try to manipulate you and get things to you, and they will work. Man, they, they learn how to act early. They get little eyes and little, little, you know, little looks, and, and, and I know some of you are like, man, you make them sound evil. No, they're not evil. They're immature. They only, they only know one way to get stuff because they hadn't learned nothing yet. And I looked at him, I said, you know what? I said, all, all these people, this is their first time hearing this message. This is your first time hearing this message. I said, every one of you are immature in hearing the message. And the first, when, when you look at this verse, let's look at this verse of scripture. Um, go, go to 38. Look what it says. Given it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shake it together, running over. Shall men give into your bosom? For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured unto you again. When you're an immature Believer, and you're hearing this message from an immature place. You know, you know what you hear? Ooh, money cometh. Glory to God. Oh, I have given, and it's being given unto me. Good measure. Press down. Shaken together. Run it over. Men are giving it. Glory to God. I mean, you see yourself receiving. And you're like, ooh, it's mine. It's mine. And you know what? Uh, it would be appropriate for you to believe that. God's going to give to, ooh, God's giving, glory, that got money cometh, amen. Uh, there's a sowing river flowing, so get in. I said, but as you mature and as you grow, you'll read that, those verses of scripture. And at some point, you start to see those verses of scripture from an, Amen. I'm, I'm about to, some of you are about to identify where you're at in the message of prosperity. Because some of you still got that, given it shall be given unto me, good measure, press that 
But when you grow and God begins to bless you and you begin to mature and you begin to increase, you start to look at this verse and when you look at it, and some of you may have never seen this, you look at it and you see, given it shall be given into you, good measure, pressed down, shake it together, running over. But this is where this verse starts to hit you when you start to mature. Shall men give into your bosom? As you mature in the message, you know what you start desiring to be? You start desiring to be the man that gives into the bosom of another. All of a sudden, you want to be the one that is the, that is the dream fulfiller. The person that makes someone else's dreams come true. The person that fulfills the promise of God. Are you hearing me today? Because there are two, there are two people that are represented in this verse, the givers and the receivers. Amen. And you will be a receiver when you mature to the level that you decide that you're going to let God use you to give into the bosom of another. One day, can I tell this testimony about you, Aaron, Pastor Aaron? We were, we were at Pastor Aaron Bird's church in Chickasha, and they were renovating their building. And Brother Bird got up, and he was talking about how they needed new carpet. And he's like, so we're going we're gonna to be taking pledges for new carpet. And Ted was sitting there, and Brother Ted, he's followed after my ministry for 30, well, how many years, Ted? 30, oh, he's been a long time with me. I mean, we even started looking like one another. Anyway... Some people will call him Brother Ziggy, and he don't correct them. But anyway, I've, I've known Ted since I was 16. He started traveling with me when I was 16. He was 25. And uh, I'm 53. I won't tell you how old is, uh, Ted is. But anyhow, Ted was in that service with me that morning. And I knew, I knew the minute Brother Bird started talking. I know how Ted is. Ted, Ted, as soon as Aaron said, you know, we got to get some carpet, I knew... When, when you get mature in the message, when God, when, when you've really allowed the Lord to prosper you, like the Bible says, when you mature and you become strong in the Lord, all of a sudden, you're looking for opportunities. When someone has a dream and you know God wants to fulfill it, you want to be the one that God uses to be the good measure pressed down. Are you hearing me today? And so Ted, I saw, I saw Ted there. I, I could hear, I could hear the gears cranking in his spirit. Then I saw him pull. Let me see your wallet, Ted. I know you have it on you. I can tell because you look crooked. <laughs> yeah, it's here. See, that's ex- that's. Do you see how he just did? I knew God was dealing with him because he started out like this. <laughs> look at that thing. You don't mind if I look, right? <laughs> Ted used to be broke, broke, broke. I'm just getting, now I hope nobody's crazy here. We do have guns in this church. <laughs> look, look at this. Now, Ted, you, you look at old Ted. Ted's not much to look at, but I can always count on Ted having something in his wallet. Come on, $100 bill. <laughs> now, we didn't plan this. We didn't. Ted called me before church said, Pastor, I'm not feeling good. I ain't coming. I said, it's a miracle service. He said, I'll be there. I'll be late, but I'll be there. I was like, yeah, amen. But anyhow, so this wasn't, I didn't tell you I was going to get your wallet. Did I? This is, this is, now, this is, this is just the section that he keeps the hundreds in. 
There's, a, there's another section for the little bills. <laughs> he is organized. He's got it organized by denomination. He got the Pentecostals right here. You ever hear that? Do you ever hear that story about the one dollar bill and the hundred dollar bill that were having fellowship? And the the hundred dollar bill was telling the one dollar bill, "Man, I have been to Paris. I have been, I have been to Amsterdam. I have, I have seen, I've seen the Great Wall of China. I've been all over the world." And and he asked the dollar bill, he says, where have you been? He says, well, I've been to First Baptist, First Methodist. <laughs> the dollar bill only been to church. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> what was I saying? Anyway, so Aaron, so Ted gets that big old fat wall. I mean, look at that thing. That's, that's as big as most people's planners. <laughs> He got that big old wallet out, and I could tell he was just getting itchy, man. Pastor Aaron went on, and I knew, I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming, Brother Bird. But finally, he goes, how much you need? Oh, no, that's not what, that's not what happened first. First, he took 100 up there, didn't you? He took 100 up there, and he goes, $100 meals, you know, there's your first 100. And, and Brother Aaron says, well, praise God, you know. My, my, my. <laughs> Everybody's been waiting on that. So Brother Bird said, well, we got our first hundred, praise God. And then Brother Ted, uh, you know, he, he went on a bit more. And Brother Ted said, well, how much do you need? And I think you said $600, 700 Ted just, he's like, is that it? Yeah, that's it. Ted was like, he ripped off $700. He walked up. He said, there you go, brother. You know, now, I know that that's, to me, $700 ain't that much. But in some places, $700 a lot. But you know, you could feel the challenge in the building. It's, it's almost like some of Aaron's members were like, how dare he? Well, you know what? You had an opportunity. But most people don't mature. They, they don't mature in the message. And the reason why they don't mature is because they allow themselves to get plugged up with offense and go to questioning the motives of preachers instead of just taking care of and, and, and uh, um, making sure that they prioritize things properly in their life and, and uh, sorted out the word of God within themselves. They're worried about, well, I'm not sure what he's saying is right. Well, you know what? Why don't you find out if what you're doing is right? Don't worry about what I'm saying. Why don't you find out what, because here's the deal. You know, I go and I preach this message all over the United States. We have revivals everywhere. We go to churches of, of all different sizes and all different places. And guess what? You know, whether you like it or not, whether you like the message or not, whether you like me or not, uh, I'm not going to leave here broke. I'm going to pick up our airplane out of the paint shop next week. 
We're going to fly it all over the United States and preach the gospel. That's what we do. And it don't matter. It don't matter how plugged up you are about it. Don't matter how angry you are about it. And some of you, you know, you're going to be like, well, he shouldn't do that. Well, listen, if, if, if God could entrust you with millions of dollars, it, it was amazing to me that when Creflo Dollar wanted people to sow toward an aircraft, what was it, 60 million? There were people in church around, well, he don't need that. I'm like, how do you know? And then they went to talking about what he could do with that money. It's like, wait a minute. You can't budget the $30,000 you have. And you're going to tell the guy that budgets millions of dollars every year how to spend his money? How much sense does that make? Only in the church does it make sense. I'm blessed, God. I'm not sending him a dollar. You never did. Nothing changes. But, amen. And he got it. You know what? He got it like within a week. I don't know if y'all, did y'all ever hear the testimony? He got it in like a week. There's a guy that uh, was one of his partners that was some kind of a, a sheik or something from, uh, from the Middle East. And when the guy would come to the United States to hold a conference, he, instead of renting a car, he would buy a Rolls Royce. So he'd, he'd come to the United States, he'd go to Creflo's conference, or, or he'd go to Copeland's conference, he would buy a Rolls Royce for while he was in the States, and when he left, he would give it away. He gave Creflo one, he gave Copeland, he, he, he'd just give them away when he was done with them. When he heard Creflo needed an airplane, he's like, hey, I sent you the money already. It's done. It's done. You go get your jet. See, that's the way we ought to be. We, if, we can, if we can fulfill the dream. I was at a Ken Copeland meeting. You know, you hear all kinds of things about these fellows. I'm almost done. I know so you're like, you're hmm, taking a long time. I'm not everybody else. Everybody else was kind. It's Friday. It's party time in the kingdom. It's not that I'm not kind, but, you know, you're not going to die of tired. But anyway... Uh, or COVID, amen. I was, at a Co- I was at a Ken Copeland conference, and um, he said, I want to play a video for you. They played a video, and they were showing a Reinhard Bunke meeting. They showed millions of people coming to Christ, Reinhard Bunke preaching the gospel, man. And, and it was about a 15-minute video. They showed the poor being fed, the, the naked being clothed, and I mean all this work. They're talking about this great crusade that had happened for a period of time. Uh, somewhere in Africa, and Reinhard Bunke was on there. It was, it was strange because you don't expect to see a Reinhard Bunke video at a Kenneth Copeland meeting. And, and we're sitting there, we're thinking, that's so unusual. And then all of a sudden, you know, the video ends, and Brother Copeland gets up and he says, well, praise God. He said, isn't that awesome? And everybody was like, yeah. He says, uh, he says you know why I played that video for y'all? And, and they were like, you know, why? He said, he said, because um, y'all paid for that crusade. He said, all y'all that partnered with us, he said, I sent your money to Reinhard Bunky, and we paid for that crusade. Why, why, you think the brother, why you think the brother owns an airport? A friend of mine bought an old airplane, and he was fixing it up so he could travel, do the work of the ministry. What an acquaintance of mine. One day, Kenneth Copeland calls him. 
I mean, this guy's got a small church in Texarkana. Maybe a church of 150 people, 200 people. And he's got an old beater of an airplane that he's putting money into to fix it up. One day, Ken Copeland calls him because he'd, he'd been a partner of Ken Copeland's for years. He's like, yeah, Brother Copeland. He says, yeah. He says, uh, come out here to the airport. He says, come look at your airplane. He says, man, I'm super busy right now. I mean, I'd love to come, but I'm super busy. He said, boy, you need to come out here and look at your airplane. He said, Brother Copeland, it's in 100 pieces in the hangar. He, I, I, I've seen it. He said, boy, I'm telling you, get in your car, get over here and come see your airplane. He said, yes, sir, I'll be there in a minute. Drove to the airport, walked into the FBO, walked out onto the ramp, looked across the ramp. When he looked across the ramp, Brother Copeland was standing in front of a brand new twin Cessna. He says, Brother Copeland, you didn't, you didn't bring your jet? He said, no. He says, I brought your airplane. He says, what airplane? He goes, this airplane. Brother Copeland gave him a brand new airplane. He said, sell that other one and pay the maintenance on this thing. There's, there's, a, there's a reason why people, God entrusts them with wealth. You know why? Because they become the men that give into the bosom of another. That's what you ought to strive for. So today, as you sow, be one who sows with joy into the vision and into the dream of someone else. I wish I'd given you guys pictures to show the air. Um, we, we bought an airplane. We've had several airplanes, but we bought a new airplane about a year ago, um, new to us, and we just put it in the paint shop, and it, it didn't really need paint real bad, uh, but it was going to need it eventually, and um, we either needed to touch up or repaint, so we just decided to repaint. Uh, it would have been easier to touch up, but a repaint seemed better. I, I think I, I just couldn't stand to look at it the way that it was anymore, but anyway... A lot of people don't know this, but Brother Eric, I, I, gave, I put the word out. I said, this is how much it's going to cost. Brother Eric yeah. called me one day, and he said, hey, man, I got a check for you. Amen. I got a check for you. Amen. I paid the whole thing. I have pictures. They're almost done. It'll be done next week, Michael. Hallelujah. Michael will fly me down there in his plane to pick up mine. Praise God. Amen. So as you give today, I want you to give with expectation. Give with expectation. I'm telling you, there's an anointing for supernatural increase in the house. So if you're writing a check tonight, make your check to Winner's Church. If you're giving cash, uh, you can get an envelope from Brother Don. If you uh, want to text to give, you text Winner's Church at 77977. And I encourage you, if you think that what I just did was a manipulation to try to get your money, don't give anything. I mean, it's that simple. But if you believe God wants to bless you financially... And not, not for the purpose of personal gain. But he wants to bless you to be a blessing. Then so, and give. And believe that God's going to give back to you in Jesus' name. Amen? I have, and while you're getting your offering ready, I, I was able to convince Pastor Reuben to come and stay with us another several days. And Pastor Reuben's going to come back on Sunday morning. Isn't that right, Reuben? Isn't that right? And Pastor Ruben's going to bring the message on Sunday. And amen. Amen. And I'm looking forward to it. Praise God. So thank you, Lord. Are you all ready to pray over your offering? Ted, come up here and pray over these people's offering. Someone give Ted a microphone. Take it easy on us, brother. 
<laughs> I love this guy. Ted, ta Ted taught me how to give. Ted taught me how to give. Ted was chintzy when I met him. He was, man. He, he squeezed the dollar so tight, George Washington cried. Yeah, that's right. He did, man. <laughs> but I, I've, never met, I've never met anyone. I've, I've never met anyone that is challenged by other people. Ted wants to be the, the biggest giver all the time. He one time came to me, he says, Pastor, my dream is to put money in your hand every day. Nearly every day that I see Ted, he puts money in my... And I'm not... When I say money, I'm not talking about a couple bucks. First offerings Ted ever gave to me were $50 every two weeks. Ted literally sows thousands of dollars into this ministry. Thousands. Every month. I don't know that he keeps track of it. It was his desire to live off of 10% and to tithe 90 I think he's probably around 35, 40% right now. And I'm praying that, that you'll, you, you get to your goal. Amen. You're loaded, Ted. Not only with money, but with the Holy Ghost. Amen. He's my friend and he's my brother. Pray over us, Ted. Amen. I'll, I'll hold you. Well, I have a little testimony. Uh, this week, I was praying. Lord, help me. And I was asking God. I said, Lord, I need you to tell me what I'm supposed to do this week in revival. And I was like, I was like, well, you know, because... $100 bills, <laughs> uh, we've been saying it for a long time, $100 bills, $100 bills, but people don't realize to get $100 bills, you got to sew $100 bills. Amen. So uh, I purposed in my heart to give all the ministers, each one, a $100 bill. And so, uh, so far this week, I've gave... I think 1,400 so far. And, but like Pastor said, that scripture that he gave tonight really helps me because it helps me to sow those, like he said, bigger seeds. And one time Pastor Ziggy called me and he said, can I, and when he said this to me, I didn't want to answer him. He said, can I count on you this week or this time to give me $7,000 toward the airplane? And I got real quiet. You heard chirp, chirp, chirp. And I wouldn't answer, Pastor. And then he, <laughs> called, he called me probably about a week after that. And he says, can I count on you, Brother Ted, to give $10,000 toward the airplane? And I wouldn't answer. It and just it, kept going up. Yeah, it kept going up. So I was like, I wouldn't answer him. And then all of a sudden, Pastor Ziggy says, I sure don't hear any faith coming up out of this phone. So the Bible says that you can purpose in your heart to give. Amen. So I purpose in my heart to do it. And Pastor Ziggy, you know how he travels? He travels all the time. And I told him, I said, all right, Pastor. I said, I'll do it. But you're going to have to leave me at home so I can work and sell appliances. So I can give this money because it ain't coming out of the sky, you know. It ain't dropping down. You have to do something. So he didn't leave me at home. Still, I was traveling. 
And the Lord gave it to me in 10 months. And within 10 months, God gave me the 10,000. But it was one apartment complex in two days, sold, I sold $1,000 worth of appliances to this apartment complex. $2,000 in two days. But pastor, I told him, I gave him the first, and I'd been giving him 500 or 1,000. And what I did was I had a piece of paper that I put on the wall in my bedroom, and I put one through 10. And I had to walk past it every day to go out of my room so I'd have to see it. And so each $1,000 that the Lord helped me get, I'd write $1,000, write $1,000, I'd sell it. And so then the last 2000 or some of the last 2000 that the Lord gave me, I had plans to, I gave Pastor the one, which was probably about seven or 8000 at that time. And then I called Pastor, I said, hey, Pastor, I sold another $1,000 worth of appliances, which I was going to give, I wasn't going to give it to him. I was going to go buy something because <laughs> I wanted to buy something. And so he said, well, it looks like you got another thousand to give towards the airplane. And I go, okay. And so I did it. And the Lord gave me the $10,000 within 10 months. And Pastor Ziggy says, well, you got this done within 10 months instead of 12. And I give God the glory. Then I put a happy face on it at the 10 and put thank you, Jesus, on the wall. And he helped me accomplish it. So don't think that you can't do those kind of seeds because... You can purpose and start working on it and just give it. And I thank you. Pray over us, Ted. Lord, <laughs> Lord, you're awesome. <laughs> and I'm asking you, God, to help me be one of those that gives the $100 million seeds. Yes. I ask you, God, to help me to be one of those ones that choke the devil. Yes. I give so much money, he has to die. <laughs> he, he can't even come around. He's like, I ain't going around that guy. He's going to mess me up. And that I, thank I, you, I thank you, Lord, that you're going to give the body of Christ so much stinking money that we don't know what to do with all of it, just like you showed me. I've thank sh you, you showed me visions, Lord, of rolling around in money. And then you, when I, like leaves on the ground, I'm rolling around in it on the ground, and you said to me, give. And so, like, like when you have more than enough, you can be a blessing. And I pray over this group this house, every person here, that you bless the finances of every person here in a big supernatural way. Not for them name. to keep it, but them Jesus to sow name. it. And to be a Jesus blessing name. to the kingdom of heaven, to be Jesus able to be name. those that buys airplanes and buys houses Thank you, Jesus. and buys, buys things. Like Brother Copeland said, come look at your plane. That he, got, he sowed an airplane, and he'd been sowing planes, Thank and you, he'd Lord. been sowing buildings, Thank you, and he's Lord. been doing things, and it's, that's you, why he's blessed. And I ask you, Holy Ghost, to have your way here tonight, and everyone, everyone would give exactly what you tell them to give, Lord. Let it be a great and wonderful time. Amen. And we give Jesus. you the glory, and thank you for giving back to us. Good measure, press down, second together, and running over, that we can take that Thank you, and sow it into the kingdom to be a blessing, Jesus. to sow into people's uh, dreams, like Pastor Ziggy has a dream Thank you, to Lord. take revival across America and Thank provide you, every, you provide everything Thank you, for Lord. Every, every airplane. Hallelujah. And take care of every airplane. In May, Jesus and Lord, name. we ask you to bring the jets <laughs> in the name of Jesus. Bring the jets, because that way, pastors, he can get there quicker. Amen. Good God. Thank you, Lord. 
He's about to get the hook. <laughs> He's finding a way to testify during the prayer, Reuben. Praise God. Amen. It's funny. He, he, the way he tells those stories, he makes it seem like I'm extorting money from him or something. No, Ted, Ted, Ted is, uh, the Lord called him to help us in ministry. Ted's like an Eagle Club member. He, he's one of those people that when we haven't, he, he said, Pastor, you need anything, you call on me. Let me know what it is, and if I can help, I'll do it. So I, I will. Um, we actually went together. We, I told him what I was sowing. I said, Ted, I'm sowing 10. Will you, will you match my 10? I'm so intent, because I know I challenge him, you know, challenge. Boy, that 10 was, he was like, ah, ah. he did it. I was, I was proud of him too, man. That's a, that was the single largest one he'd sown ever at, at that time. He's done way more than that since then, but praise God. Are you all ready to sow? Uh, you, can, you can bring your offering to the basket anytime. While you're bringing your offering, if you have a visitor's card, you can come drop it in. While you're doing that, real, real quickly, turn your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 19. I received that in the name of Jesus, $100 bills. Praise God. Amen. Some of you wonder why people are doing that, sticking hundreds in your hand. We, we saw Charles and Francis Hunter one time, and Francis Hunter uh, said her and Charles were hearing in their spirit $100 bills. And so uh, the Lord spoke to him and said, I want you to sow hundreds because you're going to reap hundreds, $100 bills. And so they started sewing $100 bills. And they said, you have what you say. They said, say $100 bills. And so everybody began to say it and because you have what you say. And they, uh, we, we, me and Ted, we started saying it to one another. We slapped a $100 bill in each other's hands. And then we saw a harvest. I mean, like crazy. Well, you see Ted's wallet. Dude's got $100 bills all over the place. So praise God. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 19. Run there with me. Acts chapter 19. So aligning the natural for the supernatural, we're going to talk about, I want to talk to you about special miracles today. And um, Acts chapter 19, verse 11, uh, bring it up in the Amplified Bible. This is, this is super cool. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When I first started in the ministry, God, that's the kind of ministry the Lord blessed me with, was with a, um, a healing ministry a healing miracle ministries. And um, so Acts chapter 19, verse, uh, verse 11. Verse 11 says, it says, And God did unusual and extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. And God did, now look at this, And God did unusual and extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. And let's, let's see what those extraordinary miracles were. So that handkerchiefs or towels or aprons which had touched his skin were carried away and put upon the sick, and their diseases left them, and evil spirits came out of them. I mean, what an amazing, what an amazing verse of Scripture. But um, I want to talk to you about miracles today because I think that uh, the subject of miracles, um, number one, has been... Uh, I, think we, I think we've gotten away from the understanding of why uh, we ought to expect God to do the miraculous. You know, you ought to be expecting God to do supernatural things. Right. We, 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 ought to, we ought to be elevating our faith 
to, a, to the place where we, we believe that God is going to do extraordinary works by our hands. The Lord gave me a message, uh, I, I, th I think it was, a, it was either last year or the year before last, it was, it was, it was before COVID, so it had to have been in either 2019 or, or 2020, but the message, I entitled the message, Miracles Now, yes. and uh, I, preached, I preached out of the book of Judges, and you can write these scriptures down, and um, you can look at them later, we may not look at them uh, tonight, but uh, I came out of the book of Judges, chapter 6, Verses 11 uh, through 13, it's when God called Gideon. When you, look at, when you look at the life of Gideon, Gideon wasn't uh, qualified to be the man that God said that he was. God has a way of choosing people that are outcasts, those who are outwardly, uh, that, that their outward appearance uh, is of uselessness, that they, they appear to be high maintenance, uh, a low intelligence, uneducated, uncommitted, unqualified. Anytime God, anytime God has done anything mighty through anyone, it's always been through the most unlikely people. You, sh you show me a move of God where extraordinary things happen, and I'll show you a, uh, I'll show you a time and a place where God chose the most, what, what, what the world would have considered the most useless, the most uneducated. Well, let's just go to, let's just go to our, our recent history in this nation. You know, the only reason we're having this, this spirit-filled gathering is because in 1906, there was a man named William Seymour in Los Angeles, California area that began to pray with a bunch of people and expect that God would have a move of his spirit. You know, if it hadn't have been for William Seymour, there would be no Pentecostal denomination. We wouldn't be speaking in tongues in the United States. Because prior to his, prior to what God did through William Seymour's life in ministry, there was no Pentecostal, there, there, there was a Pentecostal move in, in the United States, but it, it was predominantly in the black church. The only place people spoke in tongues was in the black church. And that was in a time when in this nation, in 1906, black people were still not even considered full people. So it was okay for, for the most part for tongues and, and, and the Holy Ghost and the move of the Spirit to be relegated to black churches because they're, you know, they're less than people anyhow. I mean, they're, they, they barely graduated away from being savages. And maybe you don't want to, I mean, maybe y'all don't want to visit the, you know, the past of history of our, of our country, but that's the, that's the way that it was. So God takes a man, a black man, in 1906, a black man that has a disability. He's blind. He takes a black blind man named Seymour. Did you ever think about that? God takes a black blind man named Seymour, and he births a move of his spirit that shakes the entire nation to the core. And all of a sudden, people begin to get baptized in the Holy Ghost, black, white, red, yellow. It didn't matter. Uh, God's spirit was poured out upon all flesh. Amen. 
And the Pentecostal movement was birthed in this nation. A great revival, a great move of the Spirit. But you know what? God didn't pick what was seemingly in that moment the most qualified individual, the most intelligent individual, the most capable individual. When God sent revival in 1906, he didn't go to the, to the, uh, uh, the, the most prominent ministry at the time and use that prominent ministry to deliver revival. I think sometimes we think in our generation that if God's going to move in a mighty way, that he's going to move at some huge conference in some big city at some mega church through some prominent preacher. And that's how we're going to see a move of God's spirit in these last days. But the reality is, is that anytime God has gone to move by his spirit in the kind of way, in extraordinary ways. Are you hearing me today? Go back to that, go back to that verse 11. Anytime God has done things that were unusual and extraordinary, he has taken people like Paul. You want to talk about an unlikely individual. You want to talk about an individual that no one would have thought. Have you all even thought about these things? Did you, did you ever consider that Paul, he's, he started this ministry, and God used him to do these extraordinary miracles, and people's lives were being changed uh, as the apostle Paul did ministry. Did you ever stop to consider um, that uh, before he was doing this ministry, he was killing Christians? Did you ever think that there were probably people that sat in his meetings that family members may have met their demise at the hands of Paul? That sons may be sitting in Paul's meetings, the sons of, of fathers that Paul had killed before his salvation, the wives of husbands that he had killed in the name of God before his conversion. Are y'all hearing me today? You know, sometimes we don't think, we think, oh, Paul, 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 but we don't, we don't, we don't really understand that uh, when, when God chose Paul, Paul was not the, what, what men would consider the prime candidate for, for unusual and extraordinary miracles. In fact, in fact, if anything, Paul was probably the last one he should have chosen. I mean, if God didn't want to have any opposition, if God wanted to have it easy, if God wanted to make sure that everyone that everyone heard the message, that everyone was receptive to it. You know, we've, we've gotten so carnal and so in the flesh, and we've got to leaning so heavily on the arm of, of the flesh. You know, we, we, we read that scripture, it's not by might and not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And when we quote that scripture, I know many of us believe it. But you know what? Some of you are sitting here today, and you're sitting here, and you're thinking of natural reasons why you could never do anything unusual or extraordinary when it comes to the power of God. I think if most of you believed that God could and would do the miraculous through your life, if, if you really believed that, I'm going to tell you something, because, and this is something that I know, if it was something that you were really fully persuaded of, I've got news for you. You would already be seeing the unusual and the miraculous manifested through your life. 
If it's not happening, it's because there's something that's going on in your life that's not allowing you to facilitate it. The lack of the miraculous has nothing to do with God withholding something from us. Are y'all hearing me today? <laughs> Man, I may have to... I, go, go to that Judges chapter 6. Go to Judges chapter 6. Everyone run there. I promise this is going to be worth it. Um, your, your butt will look like a waffle after tonight for a little while. It'll eventually go away. But it'll be worth it. I promise. Judges chapter 6, verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak. Go ahead and put it in King James. Or English Standard, whichever. Glory to God. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an, uh, sat under an oak, which was uh, in Ophrah. Uh, not Oprah, but Ophrah. Oprah, she wasn't there. Uh, that pertained unto Josh, uh, Joash, I'm sorry, the uh, something, the Abbey Israelite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. So notice, notice where Gideon is. He's threshing wheat by a wine press, hiding it from the Midianites. So what he's doing is he's trying to keep the Midianites from finding that they have this wheat because the Midianites have been coming and stealing their wheat. And so he's in fear. Next verse. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Here's Gideon hiding from his enemies, threshing wheat in fear that his food is going to be taken from him. And the angel of the Lord comes and says, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. I don't know about you, but it's going to be hard for me to be persuaded. Number one, that that angel is of the Lord. And not, not because you know, he's not sparkly and all that, but because of the words that came out of his mouth. How can I be a mighty man of valor when I'm back here with my tail tucked between my legs, hiding from my enemies, threshing this wheat in hopes that we'll have a meal, and I'm a mighty man of valor? Are y'all seeing this? Go to the next verse, verse 13. And Gideon, look what Gideon says, and Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, look what it says. Say this with, with me. If the Lord be with us. Say it again. Say it one more time. If the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? If I'm, if I'm a mighty man of valor, if God is with me, why am I enduring this? Why am I going through this? You know what? It's been, it's been what? It's, it's the very thing that's been on most Christians' minds. You know what? If God is so much for us, why does it seem like everything is against us? You know, we started this revival 
And we started this revival super strong. I went, I went and I made sure to get extra chairs because I was sure that by the time we got to tonight that things would explode. But on Tuesday, when phone calls started coming and saying, I got a scratchy throat, I got a plugged up nose, I've got a headache, I tested positive for COVID, all of a sudden, the atmosphere that was here, even in this house, and I mean, we're a word church. Right. We're a Holy Ghost filled church. Right. We're, we're, we're uh, Holy Ghost baptized powerhouses right. around here. You know what I'm saying? We believe the word of God. But when the enemy comes in like a flood, sometimes we have a tendency. Listen, we, we've gotten so far away from the principles and the standards of the word of God that when, when opposition comes, that when trouble comes, instead of us believing what God has said about us, I know some of you are like, I just don't feel good. Guess what? Feeling good don't have nothing to do with this. People are dying out there. People have been dying for years. For years, people have been dying. They die day after day after day after day. And most of them dying because they're shoving cheeseburgers down their throat. It don't, it don't have nothing to do with COVID. I mean, they're shoving cheeseburgers and pizza and, and donuts. And, and, and here, we're, here we're trying to get people to, you know, it's like, you know, protect, protect one another. Listen, if we were protecting one another, we'd go to every donut shop and slap boxes of donuts out of people's hands. We'd, we'd go to the burger joint. We'd go to Tucker's. We'd stand at the door and we'd slap those bags out of people's hands of French fries and... I know some of you don't want to get with me. <laughs> the, the angel of the Lord shows up to Gideon with God's word, O oh, mighty man of valor. And Gideon's response is, if the Lord be with us. He don't even believe God's with him. Here, and here's why. If the Lord be with us, then why is all of this befall us? And where be all his miracles? which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Yeah. Mighty man of valor? Did the angel miss it? No, the angel didn't miss it. You know, God, uh, sometimes when God speaks to us, we may not, we may not appear to be what God... Amen. Kind of, kind of like the Apostle Paul. When, when the Apostle Paul was uh, slain in the spirit on the road to Damascus and struck blind, and he's over in that, in that old boy's house, and God sends him a word. God, God tells that old boy in that word, says, tell Paul he's a chosen vessel. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, those that were victims of, of, of Paul's murderous ways, we're probably not in a whole lot of agreement with Paul being a chosen vessel. There was probably a little bit of pushback when people began to talk about the ministry of Paul and how that God had met him on a road to Damascus. 
I know of Jehoshaphat, not Jehoshaphat, if Gideon, I'm in another story, if Gideon had told someone of what the angel of the Lord had told him, they might look at him a little crossways and be like, boy, you crazy. But Gideon said this, he said, the Lord has forsaken us. But look at Matthew 28, go to book of, book of Matthew 28, verse 20. Look at Matthew 28, 20 tells us. We know, we, know, we know God hadn't forsaken us. We know God didn't forsake Gideon. Look what tw verse 20 says. Uh, just talking about Jesus. He taught them to observe all things whatsoever, whatsoever he commanded them. And look what he said to them. He said, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the, of the world. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the of the world. You know what? When we feel like God has forsaken us, when we feel like God has forsaken us because we look and we say, where are all the miracles? You know, that was, that was why Gideon believed that God had forsaken them because if God had not forsaken them, then there would be evidence that he was still there working, that he was still there moving, that he was still present manifesting himself. But because they didn't see the manifestation, because Gideon, Gideon didn't see the manifestation, he said, Lord, you've forsaken us. But, but as, as, as New Testament believers, I think the New Testament church, we've been in that place ourselves. I mean, I'm standing up here tonight, and you can tell um, my, my throat isn't everything it normally is. I'm having to really push to speak to you. Something's tried to jump on me this week. There are others that are sitting here tonight that are members of my church, that they're pushing through some things because something's tried to jump on them. Some of you came here because stuff has tried to jump on you. There are some of them that are out and they're home because something tried to jump on them. Well, you know, you know what the enemy, you know what the enemy really wants to have happen when that happens. You know what? You better just go home and. I mean, you know, all those things are true and all those things are right. But, you know, let's, let's err on the side of caution. Do, do you know why we don't see miracles now? Because we got a bunch of people in the church who the moment there's a little bit of opposition, the moment there's a little bit of danger, some of you, your inner lost in space robot starts to go off. Danger, danger. And you, hey man, only a few of you got that. But anyway, I can tell, I can tell which ones y'all are old and which ones of y'all are young. There used to be a show called Lost in Space. There was a, a robot who had these dryer hose arms and anyway, danger, danger. Will Robinson. <laughs> the moment the church, the moment the church begins to believe that they're in danger, that they're listen, church. I don't know if you realize this or not. I, I didn't. I, I guess I didn't understand. You know, when when I got born again, we were brought up when we when they when, as teenagers they would gather us all together and they'd take us to church and they would show they would they would put a film on a on on the projector reel. And they would show these movies to us, A Distant Thunder. 
And in, in that movie, A Distant Thunder, at the end of the movie, if you didn't reject Christ, they put you on a guillotine and your head got chopped off. And they didn't actually show people's heads being, they didn't show people being decapitated. But they did show the guillotine and they showed the blade drop. And at the end of it, the preacher would get up and say, some of you may have to die for your faith. Some of you, some of you may have to be martyred for the sake of Christ. It's not always safe to serve the Lord. There's some people that are going to hate you. There's some people that are going to want to destroy you. There's some people that are going to want to kill you. We had no idea that when they were telling us that, that we were sitting in the same church with some of those people that would hate us, that would want to destroy us, and that would want to kill us. And we never found that to be more true than in March of 2020. When the government recommended that we shut down church. Now listen, I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, condemn anyone for what they did. But I know what God put in my heart. When they said there was an incurable disease, an incurable virus called COVID. The minute I heard that, I thought, ooh, sounds like a challenge. I thought, you know, uh, there hadn't been anything like leprosy around here for a long time. You know what I'm saying? It's like, wow. And, and COVID, COVID in one day, and y'all know this, in one day, COVID, COVID knocked to its knees. Every God that existed in this country. In fact, it was here in Oklahoma City. We were watching a Thunder basketball game. When, when we're watching, and I think it went to half. And then at halftime, they came on and they said, there'll be no more gameplay. One of the players tested positive for COVID. And they kept everybody at the Chesapeake for hours. They wouldn't even let people leave the building. And, and, and within moments of them having to shut that down, the NBA announced, we're shutting down the NBA. Then the NFL said, we're shutting down. College started shutting down. Every, every sport shut down. Broadway shut down. Hollywood shut down. Sitcoms shut down. Every God Every false god bowed to COVID. Unfortunately, there was something else that shut down. The church. You know what? You heard preachers talk about, oh, bless God, everything. God shut everything down. Yeah, uh uh-huh. While they're sitting on their couch in front of a little camera. Now I can tell some of you aren't excited about this. Did you come to a miracle service? I figured you wanted to know how to get miracles. You want me to tell you how you don't get miracles? You don't get miracles by running from the devil. You don't get miracles... By determining how you're going to walk things out 
when the devil roars like a lion seeking whom he may devour. See, one of, the, one of the keys to why special miracles were wrought through the hands of Paul is that he, he faced adversity. He faced opposition, and for right reason. People should have questioned what his motives were. The dude was killing Christians. Why does he want to come to our church to preach? Has anyone validated his ministry? Where did he go to Bible school? Who signed his credentials? Does anybody know who his spiritual father is? What ministries does he run with? <laughs> Come on, somebody. And you know what? All Paul had was a prophecy from some old boy that didn't even want to go give it to him. Lord, I heard that he has papers to destroy your church. But because God told that guy, listen, you go ahead and go. Because he's a chosen vessel. Amen. He's a chosen vessel. You know, if they had had social media at that time, I'll bet all the Facebook sissies from, from the church would have come out against Paul on social media. There would have been exposés. There would have been cameras. It would have been just like Ken Copeland, you know. I mean, they'd have been in his face. Inside Edition would have come out. There would have been an attempt to discredit Paul's ministry, to bring into question everything that he was saying. You know what? Paul didn't sit and cry in his beer. He didn't sit around, twiddle his thumbs, and wait for a better opportunity. He didn't even go. You know, Paul didn't even go to the apostles to get accreditation. To get legitimacy. Instead, he got away with God. He prayed and he sought the Lord. At some, at some point in that journey, he went, to, he went to heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, he couldn't tell. Amen. And at some point, he spoke with Jesus about what happened with him and his disciples before he left. Because he tells the story of the Last Supper and he wasn't even there. But he tells where he heard the story. I got this at, by revelation from Jesus. Boy, I'm about to throw my shoe at myself. Amen. What's happened to the body of Christ? What's happened to us? Now, I'm not trying to condemn nobody. I'm just trying to get you to find out where you're at. Because some of us, we've been, we've been talking about miracles, and we've been, oh yeah, miracles, oh amen, any day now. No, not any day now. Now. But, but miracles won't be manifested. And you say, who, who are these unusual miracles for? We've, we've tried to tell, as preachers, what we've said is, oh, it's for everybody. But it's not for everybody. If it was, we'd all be doing it. It's never been just for everybody. It's been for those that are willing to lay down their lives for the gospel and for his sake. Those that are willing to face whatever it is that they have to face. Do you know, do you know how much pressure people want to put on me to shut these revival meetings down? 
People are getting COVID. I'm like, and they're getting COVID at Walmart too. I drove by McDonald's. They're still a line all the way out the back. I mean, up to yesterday, they were still in school. I mean, we're having a miracle service, and there are people that have been intimidated away from church. I have members of my church that are like, Pastor, we want to come, but... What will, what will, I mean, I don't want to endanger anyone. You're a believer. Whether you've realized it or not, you're in danger. Are we okay here? I know, I've, I've gone a long time already, haven't I? You see, some, some of you thought I was just going to break out a bottle of oil and slap you on the head. When I'm talking about miracles now, I want, when I talked about us having a miracle service, I wasn't just talking about us ministering and, and ministering to people to receive miracles. Heck, I've done plenty of that. I didn't need to have a meeting here to do that. Heck, we go to, we, we, our church, we send people to the hospital every week to minister healing to the sick. If I wanted to go lay hands on sick people, we just go up to Baptist on Thursday like we normally do. We don't need to have a special gathering. Or Friday, whenever. <laughs> it used to be Thursday. Tomorrow, this week, we still have time. Too many times we're, we're, looking, for, uh, we're looking for something that is appeasing to our flesh. We want to hear something easy. We want, we want to hear, well, you know, uh, 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 God, you know, he, he does everything in his time. Uh, the, the times and the seasons of God, you know, no man knows. No man knows, amen. But one day, glory to God, someday he'll do it again, amen. Come on, sing it, sister. He'll do it again. And we get excited in the same part of it, just like Moses. Just like Daniel. Just like Shadrach, Meshach. A billy goat. No, a bendigo. I used to think it was a billy goat. Miracles are for now. You want to know why miracles are for now? Because God is a miracle-working God. God is a miracle-working God. He always has been, He is now, and He always will be. He, the Bible says that He never changes. Is that right? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus, the same yesterday, today, 
and forever. The word declares this. I am the Lord. I change not. God has never changed. He is, he's been a miracle working God. He's always been a miracle working God. And he's a miracle working God today. Do you know how I know that God wants miracles now? Because he's here now. And he's with us now. He has not forsaken us. He's with us. Because God, God's word tells us, listen to me, if you're, if you're in need of a miracle, the enemy will try to work on you. The world will try to work on you to try to get you to get in unbelief. You, you need to hear what I'm saying today. Oh, no, you know, I haven't seen no miracles. I don't care whether you've seen them or not. The fact that the word of God says he'll never leave us and never forsake us and he's a miracle working God says that we can have miracles now. Amen. 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 Oh, man, I need, can, I, can I read you some things I, I wrote down here? I, I want to wrap this up. We know, we know that Jesus was a miracle worker. Amen. Amen. He came to show us what God's heart is, what God feels about people. Many in the church make the assumption that miracles aren't happening because we're not right with God. We read places in Scripture where Jesus, when he was ministering to people, healed them all. You know good and well not all those people were right, that were healed were right with God. You know and I know that not all them people that got healed by Jesus... In fact, none of them were right with God. You know why God gave those people? Well, I'm going to get the cart in front of the horse. James chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. Write it down. James chapter 5, verse 14 to 15. I'm going to read it to you real quick. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let him pray. Over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Next verse. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed any sins, they'll be forgiven him. When miracles break out, guess what else happens? Forgiveness breaks out. You've got to quit letting the enemy lie to you. You've got to quit letting your mind and your flesh lie to you and make you believe that the only reason you don't have a miracle is because there's something not right in your life. God don't give a rip whether you got something right in your life or something wrong in your life. He's a God of miracles. If, we, if we'll believe that and we'll believe that he's with us, it opens up the door for us to see the miraculous. Amen. God has a whole lot of love for us. Miracles are an expression of his love for us. When God does a miracle, you know what? God don't do miracles for you because you're in an emergency. He's not 911. God doesn't give you miracles because you're worthy. Because you're not. I mean, we already covered that. It don't matter how much you fast, pray, 
Why, why is it? Why is it? I went, I went and visited a family, and uh, this woman's gone to be with the Lord. Reuben took me over there uh, uh, to visit a family in Ohio. Um, the husband had gotten the vaccine shot and became paralyzed from the vaccine. Great Christian people, missionaries, loved the Lord, did great works for God. Got the vaccine, got paralyzed from the vaccine. His body had a bad reaction to it. He's still, while he's paralyzed, his wife is taking care of him. Three months later, they find out his wife has stage four terminal cancer. She's dying. The doctors tell her, we don't even, we, we're not even going to operate. There's no sense in it. You'll just suffer. So we go to the house to pray. Now listen, this religion is evil. Religion is a thief. The, the, the flesh is a thief. So we go to the house, wonderful people. You can tell they love the Lord, love the Lord with all of their hearts. We roll in there, family are there. They're there uh, to be with their mother, their grandmother, their sister, you know, their aunt, to, 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 to what some people call pay their last respects and, you know, get things, you know, make sure they spend time with this individual. And as they began to talk, I went there with the idea that God is a miracle-working God. I went, I went there with the idea that with men it's impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. I went there with the idea that, lo, he is with us always, even to the end of the earth. I went in there with the idea of heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead, cleanse the leper. Freely you've received, freely give. But I, we weren't there for two minutes before we began to hear this. We don't understand why this has happened. She was such a good person. Are y'all hearing me? We've heard that, haven't we? You know, they, were, they lived, oh, she loved the Lord so much. In fact, this, this statement was made. If she had been around in the time of Mary, she would have been carrying Jesus and not Mary. That's how good of a person she was. Listen, I've got news for you. No matter how good you are, you suck. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be ugly. The Bible, the Bible says it. What, what does the Bible say? There is none good. No, not one. Save him. He's the only one that's good. Now listen, I understand, I understand you served him, you loved him, and all of that. But guess what? God, God, God doesn't give us miracles because we're good. This is why we don't see miracles now. Because if God were to show up now, you would think he did it because you came. Because you were good. How many, how, many, how many seasons of revival has this nation had? And those revivals ran their course, and, and some of them had major impact. But when those revival, when people wrote books about that revival, well, we had revival because we, you know, we poured oil in the four corners of the city, and we put prayer banners in the corners of the church, and we, you know what, we earned that revival. 
You didn't earn revival. You got, here's the deal. God was gracious towards you. God was gracious towards you. You didn't earn that revival. You didn't pray that revival in. No amount of your prayer could persuade God to do anything. Amen. See, God has targeted us. God has targeted this generation for revival and for miracles. Why do you think that we are facing the greatest obstacle that, listen, there hadn't been a generation that has faced what we have faced as the church, not, not, not since, not, our grandmothers didn't see anything like it. We're in a very unique situation. Why do you think that we're in this situation? Because God desires to show his love to mankind. God knew that the devil and the enemy would attempt to come in like a flood. And he desires to raise up a standard. But if we tuck tail like the world. I don't feel good either, church. But it ain't about feeling good. I'm not standing up. I'm not standing up here trying to earn God's trust. I'm not standing up here trying to earn a miracle from God. I'm standing up here because he's done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. Amen. I was bought and paid for. I was shackled by a heavy burden beneath a load of guilt and shame until the hand of Jesus came and touched me. When when I gave my life to him, he, he, he picked me up. He turned me around. He set my feet on solid ground. I owe him everything. I've been serving him and living for him. And listen, I'm going to tell you, I I don't deserve not one thing he's ever done for me. I don't deserve not anything he's ever given me. I didn't earn not one bit of it. Most of it, I stumbled upon it accidentally. Are you hearing me? I'm not going to pretend like I, you know, because some some people are like, well, you know, praise God. That's the favored of God. Amen. No, nah, man, I was, I was like old Gideon, hiding, <laughs> scared, believing what people said, that you can't preach. God can't do that with you. Heck, this church has been in existence 10 years. I was evangelizing from 16 until, well, until now. 10 years ago, I started church. You know what they told me? You can't do that. I was like, well, y'all told me I couldn't preach when I was 16. But you know what the Lord said? He said something different. Church, we're, we're, not, we're not good. But thank God, he's not going to do miracles now because you're good. Because you earned it. He's going to do miracles now because he's God. And you know what man needs now more than they've ever needed it before? They need to understand that there is a God who loves us. That'll wrap us in his arms. You know, if we could get a revelation of that, just, just getting a revelation of that will get you off your bumper. You'll be at the gas station. I mean, you won't need a bottle of 
of frankincense and myrrh oil. You'll, you'll pop the hood on your car, put your finger on that engine, and slap any kind of oil on somebody just to get them a touch from God. Well, you, you'll be at the KFC, just grab you a piece of chicken, bless God. And... Be at Hideaway and get you a piece of pepperoni. Come here. Amen. There's a, there's a God who loves us. Turn to someone, tell them there's a God who loves you. You know what? He knows. He knows you're weak, but guess what? You're weak, but you're not defeated. Amen. You've been, we've been pressed, but amen. We've been pressed, but we're not crushed. We've been persecuted, but I'm telling you right now, we have not been abandoned. We've been struck down, but we have not been destroyed, bless God. We're still here, amen. We might be hoarse, but we're still here. And God, God is looking for a people. Oh, man, I'm about to throw a chair. God, God is looking for a people that will believe his word, that will stand, that will stand on his word, that will trust what he said, that will allow his spirit to manifest in the miraculous, to touch a lost and a dying world for his glory. Amen. I'll say, I'm going to say one last thing. I'll be done. Take, take your Puerto Rican time, you said. <laughs> if you're not a member, you don't understand. <laughs> Puerto Ricans, a minute for Puerto Ricans is like 10. And I'm half Puerto Rican, so. Anyhow. I'll end this with a testimony. I, I, there's lots of stuff I could say, but I can't finish none of it. So I'm not like Ayla. I can't just. <laughs> Ayla says so much in like 30 minutes. I, I sat one night healing room. I was just like, Ayla. I mean, she went, she went through a whole Bible course in 30 minutes. I, I left. I was like, whew, glory. I said, man, that'd take me 30 weeks. We were in Springfield, Ohio, in that seven-month revival. The, pastor, the pastor's father-in-law, his name's Paul Nickel. <laughs> oh, yeah. The pastor, uh, he was dying. He was on his deathbed. And pa the pastor of the church, Pastor Jim Britton, he asked me to go, if I would go and pray for him. And I was like, sure. But you know, every time I go to pray for old people, it's a trick. I've never, I've never left there praying for them. They always end up praying for me. Amen. And Paul Nichol, he'd been a pastor in that, in that church, in that community for years. And um, I told I, yeah, sure, I'll go pray for your father-in-law. So we go. We walk in, and hospice is already set up. He's got a bed in his living room. I mean, he's, he's going to die. Um, he's sitting in, on the couch. His head is back. His mouth is agape. And he, he has a rattling in his breathing. Yeah. De death is on him. 
and we, we can see it. So I walked in, and, and Ted, you were with me, weren't you, Ted? Pastor Jim was with us, and, he's, and Pastor Jim walks in, he says, uh, Brother Nickel, the, the evangelist that we have at our church is here to pray for you. And uh, his wife comes in and says, he's been that way, he's, it's re been real bad. Uh, don't be surprised if he doesn't talk to you, he hasn't spoken in two weeks. And he, he hadn't moved off that spot by himself, we moved him there. And so I, I just sat down in a chair across from him. And she goes, Dad, the preachers are here. And I remember he looked up, he closed his mouth. Y'all, I'm, I'm, I'm not, when I'm telling you this story, please stay with me. I know it's late. What are you going to do? If you stay, I'll buy you pizza. <laughs> look, look, some people are like, I'm staying. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, and I, this, I'm not going to, Ted is my witness, I, I'm not going to exaggerate any part of this story. You're going to want to hear this. He, he looks up, and immediately, in a moment, the power of God rolls into that room. I mean, every hair on my body went to standing on it, and I went to buzzing with the Spirit of God. And all of a sudden, this man that looked dead, <laughs> he looks up, he looks at me, stands up, comes over and says, you're the preacher? And his wife's like, Dad, sit down. Dad, sit down. Dad, you, 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 sit down. And he's like, oh, leave me alone, Mama. He sits on the uh, arm of the chair that I'm sitting on. And he says, can I tell you a testimony? I'm like, I'm witnessing a testimony right now. But, I mean, go for it, dude. You're the... Pastor Jim, his eyes are as big as manhole covers. This guy's wife, you could tell, she's, she's, she's holding her chest. She's just like, and he says, he says, one time, he says, I was in the same condition I am now. I was on my deathbed. And he said, and I went to sleep one night. He said, and when I fell asleep, the angel of the Lord came. And the angel of the Lord stood by my bed and said, Paul Nickel, the Lord has called you. To do special miracles. I want you to make a coat. This, stay with me. I want you to make a coat of many colors. I want you to make it this way. I want you to sew it this way. I want it to, I want it to have these colors. Uh, this is the way it needs to be done. When you get the coat done, when you put it on, the anointing to heal the sick will rest upon you. And I will, and God says, you will heal the sick in his name. And miracles will abound. He said when he woke up, he was healed. God rose him off of a deathbed before. And he, he, he got him, he told everyone the story. Six months went by and he did nothing about the coat. He gets sick again. But not, not to the point of death. 
He falls asleep that night. The angel of the Lord comes and says, I told you. God wants you to make a coat. And he told him the whole thing again. He woke up the next day and he was like, yes, Lord. He called a seamstress in, that went to his church, said the Lord told me to have a coat made. Tyler, will you pull up a picture of Paul Nichols from that meeting? Um, it's on my Facebook page. You know where they're at. Um, he told her what the Lord said, told her how to make the coat, gave her the instructions. She said, yes, sir, pastor, I'll do it. This woman goes to start making the coat, but finds the way that he told her to make it is too difficult. So she, she finds a way that's of less resistance. While she's making the coat an easier way, she falls asleep that night. The angel of the Lord comes to her and says, I told him he needed to have it made this way. And you need to make it the way that he said. She woke up the next day, tore it apart, and made it the way that the angel of the Lord told to be made. Now, stay with me. So the coat got made. She brought it to church. The day she brought it to church, Brother Nickel gives the testimony. He's telling me this. This man was dying. It took him 30 minutes to tell me this. Not because he was talking slow, but because he took a lot of rabbit trails. And he said, uh, I said, well, what? I'm, I'm questioning him. I said, what happened when you put it on? He said, I put it on, and he said, everyone that was in the place that was sick was healed. Oh, yeah. He said, relatives started going and getting their, their sick relatives. We were at church from morning until that night service, and the sick were paraded through there, and the sick were being healed all over this city. I said, Brother Nickel, I said, is that, I looked at Sister and I said, is that right? She said, it's right. I looked at Pastor Jim. I said, have you ever seen that thing? He said, never saw it. He said, but I've heard about it. I was like, so every time you put on the coat, the sick got healed. He said, yes, sir. He said, the anointing of God would come upon me, and everyone that I would minister to would be healed. I was like, my God. But you know what I'm thinking? Where's the coat? Where's the coat? I asked Pastor Jim, have you ever seen this coat? He's like, no, I've heard of it. And Pastor Jim is older than I am. I'm like, uh, I said, Brother Nickel, I said, um, can I ask you a question? He said, yeah. I said, um, where's the coat? When's the last time you put it on? He goes, when was it, Mama? 1970, 1971. He said, Mama, where is that coat? She said, and she's, by then she's getting us some water. She says, I don't know. I think it's in a closet somewhere at the church behind the organ. Now listen, I love hanging out with old saints. But when I found out that coat was still somewhere in the vicinity, I was like, well, praise the Lord. Amen. I was like, I only have one other question, Brother Nickel. I said, um... Do you reckon I could have that coat? He said, well, I don't know why not. He said, I haven't used it for a long time. 
I said, thank you, sir. Uh, hey, it's good meeting you. Praise God. Um, you know, you seem to be doing better. Uh, 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 Lord, touch him. Amen. Glory. Come on, y'all. Let's go to the church. And I, I, it wasn't that bad, but almost. And so we got a key to the church. And Pastor Jim and I drove to the church with Ted. And we went behind that organ and got in that closet. And we began to dig all kind of musty junk out of that closet. I didn't. I'm, I wait, Pastor Jim was in there. And he's pulling out books. He says, hey, you know, here's a book. I said, we're not looking for a book. We're looking for a coat. But then I hear him. He says, ah, I, 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 yeah, here it is. And, and uh, man, I want to jump in the closet, but I waited. And he comes out, and he's got it on a hanger. And uh, he's like, here it is. And man, I reached in there. I grabbed like, praise God. And you know what? I didn't feel nothing. It was just, it was ugly. It was ugly, but it was the coat. And, and I, knew the, I knew the testimony. Now listen, here's the thing. There's no power in the coat. You know where the power was? Was in the word of God. It was in the word of God to Paul Nichol. You know what? Your power isn't in a, a handkerchief, a towel. It's in the promise of God's word. Say this with me. Say miracles now. If you're having trouble sitting through this service, you're going to have trouble pressing through into the miracles now. Because I'll be honest with you, it's going to take a whole heck of a lot more than sitting through a meeting like this one. I had that coat, man. And I was like, Lord, you're a man of your God of your word. You said it, we believe it. I went, oh, 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 oh. I had that coat. That coat was small because Brother Nickel was small. But I'm trying to figure out how to get it altered. Where's the lady at? And I, I, looked at, I looked at Brother Jim and Pastor Jim, he's talking the whole time. I don't know what he said. It was like the, it was like the Peanuts uh, teacher. He's just talking. And I looked at him, I said, you know, I think we need to have a healing meeting. He said, that's a great idea. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to me, and he said, now this was a seven-month revival. In the middle of that seven-month revival, the Lord spoke to me and said, bring Paul to the church and have him put the coat on. Have a healing meeting, but bring Brother Nickel. He's the one going to minister healing to the sick. I said, Pastor Jim, you think Brother Nickel would come and, and minister healing to the sick in this coat? He said, after what I saw today, why not? <laughs> he, he, called, he called his mother-in-law on speakerphone. Sister Nickel, Brother Ziggy's wondering if, a, if you think Brother Nickel would do a healing meeting on, on next Friday. She's like, I haven't been able to get him to shut up. He won't sit down. He's walking all over the place. He's talking about miracles. He's talking about the things of God. He got all stirred up. Maybe we shouldn't have had y'all come. He hadn't even been out of bed in two weeks. He hadn't spoken in two weeks. Now he wants something to eat. She said, let me ask him. 
Paul, the evangelist, wants to know if you'll come have a healing meeting at Revival. He says, yeah, I'll come. He wants you to put the coat on. I'll put it on. So it was scheduled. Seven days from that day. I told him, show up at 8, Brother Nickel. I'm going to turn it over to you at 8 o'clock. You got that picture yet? In my, it's in my Facebook page. It won't scroll that far, huh? Not very fast. Ethan, you aren't related to the Cox Cable people, are you? His last name is Cox. I was just playing with him. <laughs> At 8 o'clock on that Friday night in that healing meeting, I told everybody, I said, Brother Nichols is going to minister healing to the sick. That night, we packed that church out. We packed the foyer of that church out. There were people still in the parking lot of that church, people that had remembered what God had done. They heard Brother Nichol was putting the coat on, and they came out in droves. At 8 o'clock, they called the church. He don't want to come. He don't feel good. His daughter, I watched her, I watched her go out into the foyer. I could hear her out there saying, You committed to come to a dying man. He didn't quit dying, he was still dying. You said you would come. You committed to this. Oh, yeah. About 8.15, he rolls up. I, you think we're being cruel, but they know they know what's going on. <laughs> Don't come because of COVID, you know. This is a dying man. This is a dying man. Some of you tripping out right now. This is a dying man. At 8.15, he comes, they roll him in in a wheelchair. The minute he hits the middle of, the, of, the, of that uh, auditorium, that same life that hit him when I went to see him, all of a sudden he just... He starts to glow. I, 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 I picked up that coat. When he saw that coat, he was like, he, he wagged his head at me. He goes, I said, brother, I have your coat. And he got up there, and they got the wheelchair to right about there. And when they got the wheelchair there, he stepped out of the wheelchair and walked up to the front. I took that coat off the hanger and had the honor and the privilege of putting that coat on that great man of God. I draped it over him, and he put it on, and when he put it on, he grabbed the microphone out of my hand, and he said, he said, some of y'all are about to get touched by God like you've never been touched by God before. He said, I don't care what's wrong with you. He says, I don't care if you're dying. God might raise you up today. He said, bless God, I might be raised up today. We started the line. I told people, I said, don't, don't stop. Just, just go through. Let him lay his hands on you quick. Just, just move through. No, everyone wanted to stop and chat. 
first, first, first guy, Brother Nickel looks at him. He says, hey, you're, old, you're so-and-so. You're so-and-so's kid. I haven't seen you since you was this big. Yeah, Brother Nickel, you prayed for my granddad when he was dying. You, had the, you put the coat on, and, and uh, my granddad was dying, and the Lord raised him up. And Brother Nickel says, well, what is it that you need? And he raised his hands, and his hands were twisted with arthritis. And Brother Nichols says, is that all? He says, yes, sir. Brother Nichols grabbed his hands and said, in Jesus' name, I watched, that. I watched the arthritis melt out of the fingers of this man. Brother Nichols began to lay his hands on those sick people. And one after another, miracles happened. One after another. I mean, one after another, after another, after another. After I'll bet that he laid hands on a, nearly a thousand people that night as God's spirit was poured out in that, in that place. The picture that I wanted to show you is a picture of me and Brother Nickel. I'm standing behind him because he, he finally shooed me away because I was pestering him. I'm like, now, Brother Nickel, pace yourself. He's like, boy, get out of here. So, so I, I just stood on the platform and I, I, I just... You know, I was praying behind him, and in the background, you can see that scripture. God wrought special miracles through the hands of Paul. Paul Nickel. Not just Paul, the apostle, but God wrought special miracles through the hand of Paul Nickel. Put that picture up, Ty, if you have it. Um, maybe you can see this picture, and it'll bless you. Because people hear this testimony, and they're like, ah, it's too far-fetched, and I wish, I wish we could even, so well, you can't hardly see Brother Nickel there. That's okay, but Brother Nickel is actually right up here. This is, I don't know who this is, but anyway, that looks like Rosie, but anyhow, th th you can see, you can make out Paul Nickel's ear right here, and you can't, you can't see the coat. My hand is in the way, and it looks like I was about uh, 40 or 50 pounds lighter and was still trying to grow hair on the top of my head. But God was, God was doing miracles that night. Um, there, if you get a chance, go to my Facebook page. Go to those pictures from the Springfield Revival. You'll see the crowd was lined up all the way out the door, waiting for prayer. You say, now why, you say this, you say, Brother Ziggy, why did you tell us this testimony? Because when it was all over with, a week later, Paul Nickel died. Seven days later, he died. When he died, you know what his last words were? Tell that preacher that God used him to fulfill the last prayer that I prayed. The last thing that I prayed when I could pray was, God, if you'll give me one more time to preach, to minister under the anointing, I would, I would really, that would make, that would make my life. Do you know that was the largest crowd he'd ever ministered to in his whole ministry? That's the largest crowd that had ever shown up that he had ministered to ever. I had the coat. He gave it to me. <laughs> I gave it, I gave it back to his daughter. When he passed, I can't get it on loan though. Okay? <laughs> but 
But you know what? You know, I, I begin to tell people, I was like, all these years, from 1971, and that revival happened in 2010, what happened? The word of God was still true. It was still powerful. That, this is why I'm telling you this testimony. There's a point to this. You stayed long for a reason. From 1971 till 2010, I looked at those people and I said, what's wrong with you? Every one of you knew the story. Every one of you had heard the testimonies. Some of you had seen the coat and you let it sit in mothballs from 1971 until 2010? And we wonder why no miracles? No revival? You know what some said? Well, Brother Ziggy, maybe the Lord was just doing that for you special. No, that's just a big old fat cop out. Because anyone that would have made a demand, God would have done it for them. Anyone that would have been bold enough to believe the word of God, God would have done it for them. Most of the time I've seen miracles, God did them to bail me out. Amen. God's looking for radical people. Stand up so, so I know I'm finished. Y'all look like you're ready to go, and I, I don't want to keep you too much longer. Where are y'all from? This couple here, yeah. Oklahoma City. Are you ministers? Are you ministers? Of what church do you go to? Did someone invite you today to come? Oh, Eric, yes. That's right. You all have that now. I recognize you. Yes. The Spirit of the Lord is on y'all. Praise God. There's an angel standing behind you, lady. And he's, he's, got a, he's got a band on his arm. And I didn't used to see these angels with these bands until I heard a testimony once. Did you ever seen the symbol for the red cross, the logo for the red cross? The red cross. That's what this angel has on its arm. It's a red cross. It's a healing angel. And this angel has its hand over your shoulder and on your chest. <laughs> now, now, see, I see the Spirit of the Lord coming upon you. And I hear God saying this. I hear the Lord saying, not only is he filling your body with health and with wholeness, but the Lord says that the wholeness and the healing and the health that pours into you is going to overflow, and God says it's going to overflow out of you and into your family. I hear, I hear God saying, I, I hear God saying this, I hear the Lord saying that you've seen the Lord do things that you've considered to be um, powerful and supernatural and, and that bordered on the miraculous. But you're about to see some things that go to the level of extraordinary, special miracles. Miracles that are like the Pool of Bethesda miracles.
Miracles that, you know, when, you, know the, you remember the pool of Bethesda, uh, that, that water when it was troubled by the angel, the first one to get in would be healed. That's a special miracle. Or like the, uh, uh, the shadow of Peter. And I think Ben really explained that nicely. You know, that the Spirit of God overshadowed Peter. That was the shadow. The Spirit of God overshadowing him like he overshadowed Mary when she became impregnated with Jesus. He was so overshadowed by the Spirit that anyone that got within his vicinity received a, a, a healing, a miracle in their body. And I see that happening with you. So I, I hear God saying that for the next three days, when you awaken in the morning, instead of your arms being asleep or your legs being asleep and you having to awaken your limbs, you know, for circulation or whatever, I hear God saying, that's not what's going on. God says, you're going to be buzzing and you're going to be tingly, but it's going to be under the power of God. I hear the Lord saying, you're about to, you're about to go, God says he's about to, uh, you're about to go through treatment. You're about, you're about to have, you're about to have, uh, physical, it's not physical therapy. It, it, it'd be similar to physical therapy because it's going to affect you physically, but what God's going to do, he's going to do in the spirit and it's going to affect you. So you're going through spiritual therapy. But in three days, listen, sister, in three days, your body will be transformed into something else. And your body will not facilitate affliction. But I, but I hear God saying this. Your system is going to begin to eradicate sickness. And I hear the Lord saying that in your house, immunity is going to prevail. Because the Lord says his spirit is going to cause the both y'all's immune system to skyrocket and go through the roof. The Lord says you will live in this hour without fear. Here's the thing. Y'all be believing for one another. It's like Lord, I appreciate what you're doing for me, but boy, I sure wish you'd touch him. And he's just thrilled that the Lord said to him, God, I don't need nothing. Just touch her. God says, I got enough for both of you. And so, so I hear the Lord saying, he says, he, says, you're, you're, this, he says, this time you won't leave here the same. He says, this is not just going to be something that the Lord has done in your mind. But God says this is something that is going to, uh, this is something that's going to provoke a change in the innermost part of your being. And God says from this moment on, things will never be the same. Physically, because of the spiritual work that God is doing, because of the work of the Spirit that's happening right now, physically, you're, you're not going to be susceptible to the things you've been susceptible to in the past, Period. You're going to be stronger than ever before in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Bro, tell me your name, brother. Leonard. The Lord says he's, uh, God says he's increasing you in the area of wisdom. The Lord says you're going to become more sharp in the days that are coming, not less sharp. God says you're not going to decline in your ability to think, in your ability to, uh, to form thoughts. I hear God saying that there are some in your family that they lost some of their cognitive ability as they, as they grew older. The Lord says, you have nothing to fear. Because God says, my hand is on your mind right now. 
The Lord says you will not lose your memory. The Lord says you will not lose your cognitive ability. God says you will become sharper the older you get. The Lord says, in fact, the Lord says it'll come to the point that as you get older, the Lord says there'll be very few people that will be able to resist you for the wisdom that comes out of your mouth. I hear, I hear God telling me to tell you this. He said, he said uh, I came alongside of you as a boy. The Lord says there have been times that you weren't aware of my presence and you wondered if I was there. But God told me to tell you this, I never left you. I have never forsaken you. And God says, God says the only reason you escaped some situations because he was there. But the Lord says he's continued with you. I hear God saying this, God said, God said he dropped a word in your mother and said that he'd be with you. And God says he's remained faithful to his word. But you're going you're gonna to see the reality of God in a greater measure than you've ever seen in the days that are coming. These days that are ahead of you are going to be far greater than the days that are behind you. I loose that to you in the name of Jesus. And I thank God for it. Someone lift your hands and thank God. Amen. Amen. How many of you would, would say this? How many of you would say you need, you need, uh, you need uh, for a miracle to be manifested in your physical body? Anybody? There are many of us. There are many of us. So you know what? Let's receive today. He's a miracle working God. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Guess what? You were never going to be worthy of it. So you can leave that behind. You're not worthy of it, but he's not going to touch you because you're worthy. He's going to touch you because he loves you. He's going to touch you because he said it. And if he said it, we believe it. Amen. If he said it, Ted, we believe it. If he said it, I done told y'all, Ted called me early. He's like, I ain't going to come. I, I don't feel too good. I'm like, Ted, it's a miracle meeting. Get here. So, Father, in the, let's stretch our hands toward heaven. Father, we thank you today. Man, he's here. He's here. He's here. He's here. I come against every sickness. I come against every infirmity. Ethan, this is your wife, right? That's your wife, right? The, the Spirit of the Lord is touching her. You're, re, you're receiving a touch from God right now. What's her name, Ethan? Brittany, the Spirit of the Lord is on you. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Be made whole from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Will you do me a favor? Will you step in the aisle and lift up your hands to the Lord? Someone help me. Will you help me, Tyler? Or Ethan, you'll help me. Just stand behind her. Lift up your hands to Jesus. You know what? Give her that drop cloth. Just put it in her hands. Hold that drop cloth in front of you. That way Ayla won't have to lay it on you. Now from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Receive. Receive. 
Now in the name of Jesus. Now, now, glory to God. Amen. Self-serve. Come here, Lupe. Someone help her, yeah. The Lord began a good work in Lupe. And she, she, she told me, she said, the enemy, he, I know he's trying to bring some stuff back on me. But man, she, the other night, man, the Spirit of God came on her. But you're doing way better than what you were. Yes. Right, right, yeah. Come close to me. Lift up your hands to him. She, she just started. Now see, sometimes when you receive a healing, there's, there's, a, t- there's a time of a re-strengthening of muscles and things like that. Yeah. She had a bulging disc. Two of them. And she came in. She couldn't even sit down on Sunday. Man, she sat through this whole meeting. Y'all know it ain't been short. Keep on. You know, there was a man named Ronald Coyne that I saw when I was a kid. Ronald Coyne, when he was a kid, he got a wire poked in his eye. And um, they had to remove his eye when he was a child. Then his, his good eye started to get blurry. So his mother took him to an evangelist to pray over him. And when he had hands laid on him, he had a glass eye in the eye, the eye that went bad. And, and the, the evangelist saw the glass eye and thought that was the eye that was going bad. Laid hands on him and God healed him. But God didn't give him a new eye. The dude could see out of a glass eye. So Ronald Coyne, I saw him as a kid. He could see out of that glass eye. He, I, I was in a service of his. He popped that thing out of his, put it in his pocket. They covered his good eye with all kinds of stuff. He was looking at people through that socket. Sometimes we think healing, receiving a healing, means the eradication of the evidence of a sickness. But that's not what it means. It means that you live, you live in a place beyond what your physical body's trying to tell you. It don't, it don't matter whether those discs have gone back into place or not. You received your healing. You received your healing 2,000 years ago and it manifested on Sunday. Amen. Lord, I thank you. Lift him up high. Lord, touch Lupe today. Maya Socorro from the top of your head to the souls. So rebriata. Now, for the glory of God, in the Namasoya, in the name of Jesus, in the name, in the name, in the name of Jesus. Watch her. In the name of Jesus. Serefredia. So right now, I want you to make a uh, I want you to make a determination that, that today you're going to receive what the Lord purchased and paid for 2,000 years ago. So right now, Father, we thank you. None of us are worthy. But Lord, we definitely have a promise. In fact, there's an entire book. And like Brother Aaron pointed out to us, we become partakers of the divine nature through those great and precious promises. 
And so, Lord, I come against COVID. I come against cancer. I come against arthritis, high blood pressure, sugar diabetes. I come against back problems, hip problems, knee problems. God, I come against every affliction, identified and unidentified, in Jesus' name. And Lord, we declare right now a release of the miraculous, a release of the supernatural, right now in this place, in the name of Jesus. Be healed. Be healed. Be healed. In the name of Jesus. Be healed. We, re we reverse. Don, watch her, will you? Watch her. Yeah, get close. We reverse the effects of anthrax in the name of Jesus. We command it in Jesus' name. Every, every, everything that it affected, every nerve, every system of your body that it attacked, in Jesus' name, we declare 100% restoration from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, I thank you that as you perform a miracle in her, that you're going to set her ablaze and that she's going to lay her hands on people that are in need of a miraculous touch and that they're going to receive in the name of Jesus. So, Father, I thank you today. I declare a release now from the top of your head to the soles of your feet in Jesus' name. Fire! Come on, pray in the spirit with me for one minute. Lord, I pray for my mama. That COVID tried to come on her. She beat it. Lord, give her, give her peace. I rebuke a spirit of fear in the name of Jesus off my mother. God, let her be strong in you and in the strength and in the power of your might. In the name of Jesus. Selefredia. What's, what's this girl? Tell me your name. This, what's your name? Brianna, where are you from? Ohio. Ohio. Why would anyone leave Ohio? No, I'm just playing. Do you live here now? Yeah. Amen. Ooh, Shelepredia. Where at? What, what? What town in Ohio? Hmm. Cannon. North, uh, central, south, 
toward Cleveland or Toledo? Further east of Cleveland or west of Cleveland? Okay. To the left or to the right? <laughs> come on, come over here. I'll pray for you. And I, because I have these things, I'm not really, I'm trying to be good because I don't know who doesn't, you know, who's, who's antsy about things and who don't want to touch them. Amen. Lift your hands to the Lord Jesus. I hear God saying he wants to give you peace. I, I hear the Lord saying you've had difficulty trusting him, but he wants to restore your trust in him. God says the reason why you've, you've, you've questioned the Lord is because of what you've suffered at the hands of, of people. But I hear, I hear the Lord saying this. I hear the Lord saying, I hear the Lord saying you can't define him by what you've seen in people. You have to, you have to let him speak for himself. God, God wants to represent himself in your life. And so today his spirit's going to come upon you. And you're going to begin to, you're going to begin, instead of looking at people as an example of what, what, how, thing, how Christ ought to be, uh, you're going you're gonna to see him. You're going to experience him. And because you experience him, you're, you're going to be settled. You're, gonna, you're going to be able to trust the Lord like, you, like you've never trusted him before. So do you go to church somewhere? No. no? Are you serving the Lord Jesus with, with all your heart? Are you living for him? You're try well, that's all anyone can do. Say this with me. Say, Lord, I surrender everything to you today. Have your way in me. I need you today, even more than yesterday. So take my life, fill me with your spirit, let me live victorious from today forward, in Jesus' name, amen. Now Lord, I thank you for it, pour out your spirit upon her, let the fire of the Holy Ghost saturate her today. From the top of her head to the soles of her feet. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, do y'all know her? Is she a friend of yours? Friend of yours? Come, come over here. I want you to lay your hands on her. Put your hands on her belly. Look like, you, look like you're going to have a baby. Is that, is that what's happening? I was going to say, you have a growth. <laughs> I finally, I can finally see I got a smile. Amen. So, Lord, I thank you. I, I'm, I'm going to declare something. I'm going to declare that this, this, uh, um, it's not going to be scary. What you, you're not going, you're not going to be scared through this. Uh, no more fear in the name of Jesus. I hear God saying you're coming out of fear, and God's going to take you over into the realm of faith. I hear the Lord saying, you're not going to understand the peace that's going to come over you, but the peace of God that passes all understanding is about to take your heart and mind. This season has, has almost driven you mad in your mind. You, 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 you have suffered with anxiety and never had, never had before until now. And that spirit of fear that has brought on those attacks of anxiety is coming off of you in Jesus' name. You're not going, let's look at me real quick. You're not going to have another attack in Jesus' name. 
I put your hands on her head. In the name of Jesus. Anxiety, go! Go from her in the name of Jesus. Lord, let her leave here. Let her leave here strengthened with your might in her inner man in Jesus' name. Bring the baby. I won't pray for the baby. She's yucky right now, isn't she? Lord, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father. Oh, I think she might have felt something there. She's like, glory to God. She knew Pastor Aaron was up in here. She's like, glory. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Be healed. You know what I hear the Lord saying? I hear the Lord saying this. The Lord says that your family, Eric, your, specifically your family, your immediate family, it's not just your family. Is Michael still here? You're here, Twilight. Where, is Michael still here? This, this has to do with your family family. There's been an attack of the enemy, physical attacks. You know what I just heard the Lord say? The ending of this year will close the gap in the hedge where the enemy has tried to slip through to bring sickness and disease to attack your family. I, I, hear, I hear God saying this. It really has been a spiritual battle, a spiritual attack. But, but God says this. God says you all don't need to look at this like it's gonna, you're going to get the victory over a period of time. The word of the Lord has come. The hedge is closed. And God tell me this. This is your year for recovery. God says, this is crazy. God says, don't take, don't take and just, he said, don't put limits on the word recovery. Because the Lord says, you're going to recover physically. But God says, y'all are about to recover losses. You're about to recover uh, what's been stolen. You're about to recover what people have manipulated and taken. I, I, I see. You need, you need to play this for your dad, for your mom, for, for all of them. Because I see, because I right now I'm seeing the brand of Salazar uh, construction and all these. I see the brand. But you, I, over... It's almost like I see the the brand and I see but I see it written over it recovery And it's because God says this is a season Where what has been taken what has been stolen is going to be recovered and God says full restoration full restoration But no more no more physical attacks in the name of Jesus and, and the remnants of every other attack that's come before now eradicated in Jesus' name. Come on, someone give your hands, give your hands and thank God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. All right, I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray one last prayer for everybody. If you, um, if you want hands laid on you, I'll lay my hands on you. If you're you know, if you're, if you're okay with that, I don't mind doing that. If you want hands laid on you, I want you to come 
and I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to make it quick. Then I'm going to turn everybody loose and, and send you home. I'm so grateful for all of you that have been coming to the revival meetings. Uh, we do have church on Sunday uh, morning. And uh, we meet every Sunday at 10.30 a.m., every Wednesday at 7 p.m. We started, we started the gifts and the ministries of the Holy Spirit on Wednesday nights. We want to mobilize as many people as we can to do the work of God. But it is, this is a season of miracles. And so I want you to believe that God is going to touch you today. That whatever is physically wrong with you, that's going to be made well. If you're here for impartation, that you're going to receive an impartation from the Lord. And you're going to be transformed as a result of it. So lift your hands up to him. And I want you to be, I want you to be ready. Make a pull. Father, I thank you. As I lay my hands upon each one, I pray, God, that your spirit. Now. 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 For the glory of God. Ho. Borosomono. Maratobrese Bora now Ho 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 Selefredia now in the name of Jesus Selecrumede Ho Ha Ho Now for the glory of God Ho Reseke Chere Boro Somo Nomreheda Ho Kaya Seke Chere Gia Ho Bele Sekere Giace for the glory of God. Bring them folks out of the corner. Double dose in the name of Jesus. Double Horoso. Double Kalasa. Double Hedicha. Now in the name of Jesus. For the glory of God. Touch in the name of Jesus. From the top of his head to the soles. Fire, fire, fire for the glory of God. Telese, now, Koresa, now, Korama, Korosha, now in the name of Jesus. Selferidrieta Bahaya, Morosa Korodriacha, how the case of Ketchetene Massa, fire. Fire! The fire of the Holy Ghost. Come here, sir. Yes, yeah, come. Lift your hands. I know you, you lift your hands, you're going to hit the... <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. But you put them up there as high as you can anyhow. Thank God. Lord, touch him today. Yes, thank you, Father. Yeah, praise angel, Father. Ho, ho, ho. Say I declare release today. Bedeshia, Durengele, Jekredai, Sumrene, Mestere, Grieche, Bele, Socrodriek, Tabahara. God says, just like He's fortifying you in your spirit, He's fortifying you in your body. I see God strengthening every bone in your body. 
I see a fortification of your core, of your frame. I, I hear the Lord, I hear the Lord saying that, um, I hear the Lord saying, I hear the Lord saying things are going to be not just a little better, but I hear God saying they're going to be much better than they've been. I hear God saying you're going to, uh, you're going to accelerate. If you're not slowing down, you're speeding up. You, you, may, you, you may have already retired, but I hear God saying you're about to refire. You, 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 need to, you need to adopt that saying that the human torch says. You need to be like flame on. Amen. When you wake up in the morning, you be like flame on. Glory to God. Because I, I hear God saying that he's going to ignite you. The Lord says he's going to set you ablaze because he says there are fires that need to be started. And he says there's a lot of firefighters. But the Lord says you're not going to be a firefighter. You're going to be a fireman. You're going to be a fireman. You're going to be a man filled with fire. And he's so mangarejea. He says, uh, and he says, people are going to invite you uh, to set a, set a fire around them. Amen. Amen. I hear God saying, he's going to use your influence to impact many. But I, I hear God saying, he's giving you what you need physically, and he's giving you what you need spiritually to get it done in Jesus' name. Lift up your hands, Mario. Fire! Fire! Now... In the name, in the name, I thank you, Lord. I thank you. Lord, I thank you for Don. Lay, lay your hands on this, brother. Oh, yes, God. Now, for the glory of God, touch in Jesus' name. Fire. Glory to God. Did you want me to pray for you? Yeah. Lord, touch her. Fire. Fire. Lord, let your spirit fall mightily upon her today. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Glory, glory, glory. Glory. Fire. Now. Harasobo. Fire. Brasakara dusha kele bere desa. Horosa. Ho. Patasa. Barasibo. Nene bejenga. Horosakaya. Morosobo. Ho! Yakaraso maharabaya! Ho! Shelelobre base ketchup bengalichia. Soromo rama. Now! For the glory of God. Now! For the glory of God. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father. Miracles now. Healing now. Deliverance now. 
Salvation now. Revival now. In the name of Jesus. Come on, someone shout with me for a minute. Oh, yes. Amen. Yeah, there's a, there's a real nice, yeah, amen. Yeah, amen, it's real nice in here. Yeah, we're, what we're carrying into this next season is the miraculous. This will be a year of miracles for sure, no doubt. No doubt, everywhere we go, let's expect. Listen, I've already kept you a long time. I love you. I appreciate you. I thank God for you. I thank God you came today. How many of you received something from the Lord today? Praise God. Of course, those of you that are visiting with us, it's always great to have you and have visitors. If you don't have a home church, I just want to say this to you. Welcome home. Welcome home. Winter's Church is a great church. And uh, you'd be proud to be a part of this church. And we'd be proud to have you. But take your time. Let the Lord do all that he wants to do in and through you here today. I sure, I sure love and appreciate you guys. Uh, Father, go with us as we go today. May your spirit continue to be poured out through us, Lord. We thank you, God, for your goodness. You're so wonderful. You're so wonderful to us. Thank you for your promises. We expect great things uh, from this day forward. We're expecting the fire of God to fall all over this city in the name of Jesus. Use us, God, for your glory. May all honor go to you. In Jesus' name, everybody that believed it said amen. amen. Go in his presence. Before you leave, love someone because you do. I'll see many of you back here Sunday, 1030 a.m. In Jesus' name. Glory.